I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 144 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. And we got a great show tonight because I am super excited. Big announcements in the Smash Accept world. You know, we we made a big free agent acquisition. You know, this guy has been tearing it up on Twitter with his threads, with his, you know, rookie takes, with his personality. Just awesome guy. Super excited to have FF Snoog joining the Smash Accept family. Brother, I'm excited. You know, we've had you on as a guest before. Now you're on there as the family, and I'm just excited to see what we can do together. I'm still ho- I'm still head nodding to that intro. <laughs> right? It's um, a banger. Yeah. We get yeah. it going, man. I'm so excited to be on and join the family. It's been a long-awaited welcoming, so I'm happy to get on with you guys and get rolling and make some great content consistently and put out what no one else can do. Yeah, and if you guys haven't, I mean, you got to follow him on Twitter, at FFSnoog. I mean, the Gibbs thread he did, he did another one today on ETN. The graphics are fire. The the content is fantastic. And really, what we're trying to do is give you all different angles at Smash Accept, you know, and, and, and try to get you guys in the best position to win. Last time we had you on the show, we talked about the top 24. You know, we were talking about everybody's got that one through six is so chalk, it's not even like, hey. It's old noise. Let's get that out of the way. You know, we know who those guys are. Um, when we did our top 24 consensus, there was a little bit of a give and take there. But the question we have in so much recently is, what do I do in round three? What do I do in round four? Typically speaking, and we're going to hit all these guys. For me, you know, you look at round three. I use that as capital almost all the time because of the way I play Dynasty because it is an 8 to 12% hit rate. And when you say hit rate, that means they are a QB1 or an RB2, or a wide receiver 2 in their career. And if you talk about 8%, that means one guy out of the third round will be a hit. And that, that's not saying this class won't have multiple hits, but over, over the course of Dynasty time, you know, which is, has been around, those guys don't necessarily hit. And then when you get to round 4, we're looking at 4 to 6%. So you're lucky if you get one guy to hit in there. What we're going to do is we're going to give you some of the guys that we think do hit there, because... Snoog, when you have that third round pick and you hit, I mean, in years past, it's been an Aaron Jones, it's been Antonio Gibson, Kittle was falling to that area. Last year, Damian Pierce was there. When you hit on a third round, it's like a free lottery ticket. I mean, your team goes from, you know, mediocre to, man, I just got another guy who's worth a first round pick. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that everyone needs to focus on, like you mentioned, the third round hit rate, 8 to 12%, that's terrible. So you got to go into this with a process. You got to know what you're doing and you got to address draft capital, landing spot, things like that. Talent, best wide receiver prospect in the class. Like David Bell was a guy that a lot of people liked last year. Went third round, fell to kind of a shaky team, 
no Watson for 12 weeks. So he kind of just plummeted down draft boards, had that bad combine, and he was like a late second, maybe mid-second, even third-round picks I was getting him in some leagues because I was a big David Bell fan. Mm-hmm. But things like like you mentioned, like um, Antonio Gibson, George Kittle, guys like that, those are talented prospects that fell because of deep classes. Like 2020 was a very loaded draft class, and that was actually one of the better third-round success rate classes that we've yeah. had in a while. 2017, 2020, and this yeah. year is very similar to that. So I think these third rounds could potentially hit, and we're going to give you some of those guys. When you're looking at that 8 to 12%, 80% of those are going to be running backs. You know, we we start to look at this process and we're like, you know, running backs got to get that certain draft capital, but running backs in the third round are going to make their team. They're going to make their team better. They're, they're going to have opportunities with injuries. Wide receivers, we start to really, we call it like the Nico Collins effect, right? And you said David Bell. It's hard for people to not fall in love with a prospect during this. I mean, I know you've dug into more tape than I have and you find those guys, those diamonds in the rough, the guys you really believe in. And I think, what we really try to do at Smash Except is say, hey, draft capital matters too, right? Like we we love the tape, but if the NFL doesn't say this guy's good, we 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 don't want to push ourselves too far and think that we know more. Yeah, and that that goes to show for guys like Zamir White, Isaiah Spiller last year, very hyped up mm-hmm. rookie prospects that just kind of plummeted down the draft board. The NFL wasn't as high on them as people thought. A lot of people had second, third round grades on them. They ended up being like mid to late fourth round picks in the NFL draft. And so that's that- the problem. People are like, oh, well, I had him as a second, so maybe the NFL doesn't know what they're talking about. And I was like, they do. They're going to show you what they believe in a prospect. And I think the biggest, a lot of analysts, and we're not like that at Smash, except where they, they have their take. They're going to push their take. We're going to admit when we're wrong. We're going to try to give you guys the best information. But, you know, we're going to be evolving throughout the process. I know your ranks and my ranks have changed because we're finding things out daily. You know, we're getting more ideas of who's going to go one, who's going to go to this spot. So to catch you guys up from our last pod, if you guys didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. I believe it's episode 141. Talked about our top 24 consensus rankings from myself, Snoog, Mung, John, and Nerdboy. Obviously, Bijan's one. I just did a, 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 a rookie profile with Zoltan on that, which will be out next week. Check it out. If you aren't taking Bijan one, then you're just not doing it right. Our consensus two was Stroud, Richardson three, Young four, JSN five. I know both of us had him higher than that, so we, we, we won't fault anybody for that. Gibbs six. We all know that's how it starts out, you know, and that's the part where that's chalk. That ain't going to change no matter what. No matter what happens in the draft, those guys are going in that area unless – Richardson would really fall, you know, and I don't think that's going to happen. Talking about 7 through 12, the way we had it, Quentin Johnston. I want to talk about him real quick because what I'm seeing on Twitter right now, Snoog, is people don't like him. They're talking boom bust. I saw a couple major analysts having him ranked in the same area as Rashi Rice or Marvin Mims, and I'm just like, this is a guy who's extreme boom bust, but if I'm going to bet on a guy in the late uh, first if he's going to be boom bust, I want the guy that has the higher ceiling than a guy that Rashi Rice, who also could bust, a Marvin Mims, who also could bust. Yeah, Quentin Johnson has the second highest ceiling in this class at the wide receiver position, and I don't personally think it's close at all. Like you mentioned earlier, don't don't have take lock. That's how fantasy players stay bad, and the best of the best adjust always. A lot of people are going to need to adjust on Quentin Johnson when he's in mid-first-round pick, falls to a decent landing spot where he's – given opportunities from day one. And I don't see a scenario where Quentin Johnson falls outside of the top 18-ish. 
He's big. He's fast. He had a ridiculous vertical jump. He has extremely long arms. He had like 80-inch arm length, which is so stupid. It's like if you get him developing into a jump ball receiver, he's the next Roddy White. So I don't see why anybody would fade him. Situation is going to be huge for him. But then Charbonnet at eight. Then the next three guys really fall into an area where you know, I just put a thread out and, and you know shout out to you for helping out with that. It's it's Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, and Josh Downs. And these guys, these are these young, exciting wide receivers that are that small build, the, the Tyreek Hill type that's really, you know, taken over the NFL. And I don't think either any of them necessarily had that Tyreek Hill ceiling, but I think it's that young, fast wide receiver, those guys that are going to play the slot, but they can move around. Zay Flowers is the one, man, I, I am just stoked to see what he does because he just keeps moving up my draft board all three of these guys are going to be fun definitely someone that you know you guys should be investing in your late late first round draft capital um anything to add with those three guys because these are guys i'm seeing zay flowers potentially going in in the mid-20s right now as far as if you look at start I, i pay a lot more attention now to betting lines than i used to and you know he's at that spot where He's, he's going to be in that top 24. Looks like Downs will be in that top 40. Addison will be in that top 25. These guys get that draft window of a late first into an early second, and we got some really nice prospects. Yeah, with Flowers, I've seen him as early as 14, and I, I honestly won't be shocked if he goes in, in the 15, 16, 17 range, even if someone trades up to get him. Teams like Kansas City, they want to believe like they're not in wide receiver help, but they definitely need it. So I could see a team like that making a move. But the prototypical wide receivers are smaller guys nowadays. You got to be quick. You got to get open fast, and you got to be able to make plays after the catch. All three of those wide receivers you just listed can do it all. Yeah, and I think you mentioned KC. Zay Flowers is what KC wanted Sky Moore to be. Like exactly. he, he is what they want him to be. That's that new exactly. mentality in the NFL. I love how we're vibing already, man. You it's so my awesome. tweet. That's in my drafts. <laughs> huh? Are you That's serious? In my drafts. Yeah. Yo, it's it's funny because you know Snoog and I have been we've been having some conversation for probably months now and going back and forth. And it's like sometimes you're in my head, I'm in yours, and it's like yeah. I, I said, hey, I'm gonna do a. I'm going to do a thread on this smaller wide receivers. And you're like, dude, I'm already got one of those getting ready, you know? And like when you did a couple months ago, you had a Kendra Miller thread and I was like, yo, that's who I'm working on this week. And it's just, it's, it's awesome being on the same page, trying to put out good dynasty content and guys, again, I'm just going to keep plugging him. Make sure you guys are following FF Snook. Now we get to the second round and in our rankings, we had Dalton Kincaid at 12, 13, or I'm sorry, we, we skipped over Will Levis, and I feel like everybody skips over Will Levis. Will Levis is the Quinton Johnston of the quarterback position. If he gets round one draft capital, don't overthink it. I'm seeing guys have are just pushing him to mid-20s. Like, if he goes round one, we have to put him there. I, I saw, you know, a couple couple of drafts there. I saw the Rams potentially taking him. I saw, you know, there there's some scenarios there where I think if he sits behind a veteran quarterback with the tools he has, he might pan out, and, and it'll be work at worth it for you guys but then we're looking at Kincaid and then we start to get into some of these running backs and we talk about it a lot as far as the draft capital is going to be everything right we we all want these running backs to go to the right spot we've covered that it ad nauseum we've really talked about that but when you're talking about the running back Snoog who are your guys because I think when you get down to it we got guys that we want these are my guys these are the guys that I think are going to hit who are those big five for you? I mean, obviously it's Bijan and Gibbs. Those are no-brainers. But who are the other 
three guys that if you have five running backs in this class, those are my guys. Yeah, I would put Charbonnet in that Bijan and Gibbs group too because he's kind of the consensus three. He's a three, yeah. Even two. So I, he's not my favorite guy, but I respect him. So he's definitely, definitely locked in my top five. He's going to be with those guys as well. But to kind of spice it up a little bit, what I've been seeing, a lot of the second round running backs that I think could go as early as late first, even mid first with the right draft capital and landing spot. Two of my favorites, Kendry Miller and Zach Evans, absolute ballers. They have that dual th- skill set that most running backs in this class don't have. I think they have ceilings that most running backs in this class don't have as well. Um, and then I really like Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M. I just think if anybody – a lot of people think there's a lot of good, solid committee backs in this class, and if anybody's guaranteed a role in that type of committee back – situation it's a chain because he's just spectacular at what he does he has like that elite trait that not many of them have like guys like roshan johnson Dwayne mcbride stuff like that really solid backs good runners but they don't have those elite traits that like devon a chain has and then two other guys i really like tanks big tank bigsby from auburn and israel banacanda from pit pit he's a beast elite athlete Big bodied back, same with Tank, another bigger body, aggressive running back. So, I, in that late, early, mid second round, I'm just targeting running backs all day, and I'm going to try to target the bigger backs that have a better chance at getting the workload. Straight dogs right there. And uh, I, you, you, you jumped in there because obviously Charbonnet is my three. The the two guys that I'm really moving up on also, it, it's A-Chain. I, I think I was really worried about the size before, but mm-hmm. I see a lot of Tony Pollard in his game. He's going to be – he's a PPR machine, a guy that Absolutely. in the open field is going to be fantastic. And Bigsby's been my guy from day one is like that, that fifth guy in there, NFL-ready frame. You know, he's a guy that right now has the size, creativity, and quickness for opportunities. I think he is going to – be someone that really fills in nice as a 1B year one. And then if they get an injury, you know, he goes to the right situation behind one of these veteran running backs who's on the last year of their contract. And I think this is a guy that could be a starter in the NFL. So I'm really big on Bigsby. That second round is just loaded with running backs. So we talked about where we were there, and I'm glad we got our guys in there. But we talk about, you know, Evans, who you did a, a profile on. You guys check that out on the Patreon. Guys, in the Patreon, you got Snoogs working now. You got Nerd Boys. You got mine. You got Mungs. You got John's. It, it is a fantastic area to be in. Also, there's no better time than right now because if you guys are in the Patreon, that gives you first access to Smash Except 9 or 10 to play with us. And, and really, when you talk about leagues, I so many of them over, over the time of COVID and things like that have folded. This is a league that's not going to fold. It's part of a, a, a podcast that you guys know and love, and we're going to continue. You know, Whenever there's an orphan, we fill them quickly. That was my quick, shameless plug. But then we talk about some of the other guys there. Evans, who you love. Mayer usually goes in at 15. A-Chain, 16. Sean Tucker went at 17. Hendon Hooker at 18. 19 was Tajay Spears, who that's John's guy. We're going to talk. We have the great Matt Waldman on tomorrow, and Spears is one of his guys. He has him as a top three running back in this class. I'm excited to pick his head and see what he says about that. Uh, and then 20, your boy Kendra Miller. 21, Hyatt. 22, Abanaconda. 23, Mims. And then 24, Bigsby. Uh, so now, now we get into this interesting area where 
who are the other guys? You know, which is absolutely one of my favorite Will Ferrell movies of all time. You know, we talked about those guys. Now we got to start picking out what do we do in the third round, right? We talk about the hit rate in the second round is a good 25 to 35%. So you're going to hit some of those guys. This year's class, I feel like that's going to be much higher because of the running backs. Let's start digging into some of these running backs who didn't make our top two rounds, who I think will once the NFL draft happens. First guy, Roshan Johnson. I think there's a lot of people right now that are really big on Roshan Johnson. Uh, But during his time at Texas, over 2,000 yards, only one time over 100 yards or 100 carries in his entire career. This is someone that if Bijan Robinson isn't there, I think we have a lot more tape. We have a lot more upside of what people think of Roshan Johnson. And I think he might be one of the biggest steals in in rookie drafts right now. Of most drafts, I'm seeing him go late second up to like 302, 303. And if he gets that you know, round three draft capital, this is a guy that is going to be, an, again, a nice 1B to someone else's 1A. Yeah, absolutely, with Roshan. And I actually have him comp to Jamal Williams. I'm not sure how much you like that comp, but I think he has that goal line tendency to just pound in those one, two-yard touchdowns. But he also has some great burst, which Jamal Williams doesn't have as well. Um, So Roshan is definitely an upside guy that I'm smashing all day. Smash except in that late second, early third round of the rookie It feels good to say that now, right? It feels feels good. amazing. (laughs) I've been waiting all all pod to say that. Um, But Tajay Spears, too, he's another one. His size is the only thing. His size and his injury history are the things that hold me back on him because I'm not going to lie. Like, There's not six or seven guys I like better on tape than Tajay Spears in this class, and, and I'm a big believer in trusting what I see on tape. Mm-hmm. But he's very undersized, and he doesn't play big like Evans. He, he was similar size to Evans, 5'11", 202. Evans plays like he's 216, 215. And Tajay, you don't see that as much with Tajay. So I'm just worried he's going to be stuck in a committee in the NFL. And if he's not, then I'm wrong. He's also that fourth year, non-power five, declare. It's just there's such a small hit rate with those guys. But if there's anybody that's going to outbeat that, it's going to be Tajay Spears and Roshan Johnson. So those are my two guys right there at the late second, early third that I'm going to focus on in every single rookie draft. Yeah, I mean – Roshan Johnson was, you look at it, first in the league in elusive rating. You know, Mm -hmm. he was 4.28 yards after contact. That's what you're talking about with that Jamal Williams where he's fighting to get extra yards all the time. And 9.8 yards after the catch. So, I mean, this is a guy that I think really becomes a value that, you know, a lot of times you see he's that secondary guy in college, but he could have a better NFL career than he did college, and I think that is definitely in the in the realm of possibilities for him. Um, the next running back I want to talk about here is – give me one second. We're going to move on to Chase Brown. I think, you know, the crazy thing is Roshan Johnson is our RB10 from the class. 10. If he's in last year's class, he's he's – RB five, maybe maybe better. You know, RB six, maybe my three. Yeah, like he's in that area where he's just he looks looks the part. Chase Brown is going to be a late round steal as well. I think you look at him, runs a four four three, had a forty inch vert at the end the production over sixteen hundred yards, second in the country in zone schemes. I mean, I think this is a guy that I keep seeing. On Twitter, a lot of people love Chase Brown. What have you seen in the tape for you? Because 
I think this is a guy that maybe goes round three, round four, and sneaks under the radar that you could get early third round. Yeah, he's a very good pure runner, and he grinds in between those tackles. I see a lot of Elijah Mitchell in his game. I don't know if that's a similar comp for you, but that's all I can see. He's just a very good pure runner and just grinds those extra yards between the tackles, and he's an athlete. He showed that at the Combine. NFL teams love that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think Chase Brown's going to be another great value. I thought we were done at 10, but this class just keeps going and going and going, and we're at like RB13, RB14 right now. I know, I'm right? Loving, I'm still loving these guys. So I, this is I don't where know what to do. The, my biggest thing is for rookie drafts, we draft value, not need. And if people are saying, hey, I need a wide receiver. And after you get past the big five, you know, it starts to really fall off. But the running backs, they go deep. I mean, now we're going to talk about that was our, our RB11, our RB12. From Georgia is Kenny McIntosh. I mean, you know, a lot of people say pro comp for him is even an Austin Eckler type. Very good receiving out of the backfield, strong hands. I mean, when you talk about a guy that is your RB12 in the class and the comp that you're seeing is is an Austin Eckler light, that's got to get you excited because you know you're going to get him in the third round. Yeah, I was huge on him before the combine. His numbers kind of disappointed me, but you know the NFL loves those Georgia running backs, and he definitely showed up at Georgia all years he was there. He was an excellent receiving back, one of the best in this class. One guy I want to kick it over to, which is my favorite that I have over McIntosh, is Deuce Vaughn. Mm -hmm. I think he is just crazy in space, and he's so just elusive and explosive out of the backfield, and he's actually a pretty good pure runner for his size. So I have him comp to Terry Cohen and Darren Sproles-ish type of running back. I actually think he has a higher ceiling than Terry Cohen as well. I think he has that Darren Sproles blood dog in him. So I think Deuce Vaughn's another guy. So <laughs> we're at like 14 now. And we're but, not done yet. We're not yeah, done yet. And I'm that's John's, John's huge on him as well. I mean, other guys in there, you know, Dwayne McBride. I think has some you know potential dog in him. There's guys like from Senior Bowl, Eric Gray. I mm -hmm. think when you get to rounds three or four, and even you know obviously Deuce Vaughn was I had him in there as well. He should have been a little bit higher, um, you know overall. But when we get to that round three four, it's so much better to take a running back that can really fill in and have an immediate role early on you know they're one injury away where one of these guys goes to the right situation they're one injury away from getting an opportunity the wide receivers this class is a running back and quarterback class you know i think you jsn's phenomenal we talked about those young you know those those quick wide receivers quentin johnson but then once we get out of that let's let's start to talk marvin mims so marvin mims and we, we, we we're going to come back to the running backs and talk things over but Right now for the wide receivers, Marvin Mims, a lot of people, he has, I mean, I was looking at Scott Barrett's tweet. He has him as his second best analytical profile of any wide receiver in the class. I think he's someone that, you know, I'm seeing go in the second round. In our particular output, we had him late second. Um, I think for you right now, we have it as JSN is one, Johnson is two, Addison, Downs, Flowers, and those are your, those are your guys right there. Those are the five. Who's that six for you? Is it Marvin Mims or is it someone else? Yeah, it is Mims. And the reason for that is when you look back at his profile, his analytic profile is beautiful. True freshman breakout at 18 years old. Had a phenomenal season. He had a lot of setbacks at Oklahoma, though. He had so many issues with the quarterbacks, never could establish chemistry. And then his coach left. 
So he was just learning and trying so many different things and it kind of screwed him on his route tree at Oklahoma as well. I think he's way more capable than what he was asked to do there. And he said it himself at the combine. So Marvin Mims, I have him as like a mid, mid second round grade all day in rookie drafts. And I've been snagging him like 303 to 305 and most mocks I've been doing. So I honestly think he's going to be the value of the drafts. Like you said, after Mims, it gets kind of scary for me at wide receiver. There's a couple more guys I like. But I'm like 15 running backs deep compared to like eight wide receivers. So it's definitely a running back class as well as a quarterback and tight end class. Wide receivers the weak point. I'm right there with you as wide receiver six. I was looking at uh, highest targeted passer rates through the slot in power five wide receivers since 2014. Listen to this list. It's Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Kadarius Toney. Justin Jefferson, and then Marvin Mims, you know, and then obviously your boy JSN is on there as, as well. So this guy is going to be a, a good value. I think we're we're depreciating him. The difference between where where downs in him are isn't as big as people think, you know. And that's you're almost going from round one to round the end of round two. I think he should be. He's going to move up, you know. And if he gets the draft capital and goes in in day two, I think he's definitely going to move into that area. Um, another guy that's you know, and this is where this whole process is very fluid. You know, we're going to talk about where they're at, but we're going to just talk about these wide receivers in general because, again, draft capital is everything. When we had Matt Hicks on, we were talking about that first is that top 15 wide receivers. If you go in that area, top 15 in the draft, that that means so much. If you can go in that next area between 16 and 40, huge. You know, and I think a lot of these next couple guys are going to be pick 40, on if they get round two round three draft capital we're talking about some guys that once you move to wide receiver round four the hit rate is next to nothing so we have to understand that if you get to a draft we start to get these guys we we love this next guy rashi rice and he goes in the fourth round his draft stock is showing you where he's going to be you know and that's where your your hit rates are dropping consistently um i was looking at reception perception on rashi rice and it is really you know, it's the only spot where he's actually running in a in a positive is when he's doing the flats or screens. This is a very difficult guy to to unbox because you look at what he does on a corner; it's twenty percent hit rate. You know, on a on comebacks, it's fifty percent. These are very minimal numbers, but a lot of people on Twitter right now love Rashi Rice. What did you see in the tape when you were looking at it? Yeah, he, he's just a really good contested jump ball menace, honestly. He just torches the DBs in jump ball and contested areas. But that, that goes to show why his reception perception profile looks like that, right? Well, I think when we talk about with it, yeah, when we talk about um, guys in contested catches, you know, I think we in the past we've had Nikhil Harry, he's phenomenal at contested catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at um, we've had guys where Josh Dotson was in that realm where great with a contested catch. Uh, we had, oh man, the guy from Stanford that went to the Eagles. Why is my head? JJ Arciega White. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, these are guys Denzel that, Mims. right. They're all like, Hey, yeah. they're great at contested catches. Sometimes they're great at contested catches because they're more athletic than their college counterpart. And they don't separate. And I think that's the biggest thing you've got to look at is if they separate and they can do contested catches, Josh Downs at his size separates like a beast his route running. But the man, his contested catch rate is phenomenal. 
because of his size, you know? So I, I think we look at some of the, we have to look at that a little bit closer. They have to be able to separate and do the contested catches. And sometimes that just doesn't flow well. A uh, couple other guys here that I think are too low. For me, I'm looking at guys like Kayshawn Boutte. Now, Kayshawn Boutte, before COVID, you know, looked fantastic. He had a great, you know, great rookie campaign. Now he, you know, he goes out there and he tests at the combine. Numbers weren't looking there. He jumped, you know, dynasty dad height of what, 28 inches, 29 inches. I, I can box jump over 32. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm 41. But <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to smash except combine, man. And now that we added you to the crew, added you to the crew now my bench press is not number one in the class, but we'll move on from that. Uh, yeah, like that's, oh, that hurt. That hurt. That was my, that was my claim to fame. But talk to me about Keishon Boutte because – now, all of a sudden, similar type thought process as Will Levis, similar type thought process as Quentin Johnson. He's an afterthought because he's just kind of that, nah, people don't want him on there, but the guy can still play. Yeah, I think people are writing him off too early. Um, he's definitely a baller. You don't do what he did at 18 years old in the SEC on LSU as a true freshman. And he's most definitely better with the ball in his hands. He excels in that category, and especially after the catch, he's very good in that field. So it makes you almost think it's almost like he dominates with his athleticism, but he's not that athletic, mm -hmm. according to the combine. So it kind of puts your head in a twist there. But I, I think he has it in him, and I, I actually think he's a very good value. I still have him top like nine in my rankings all day, and I think people are just writing him off too soon. He's very, very good with the ball in his hands, and that's been ex excelling at the next level. That's like the main trait that wide receivers have been doing so well with is how good are you after the catch, guys like Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown and stuff like that. Now, he's not those guys. He's a lot smaller than those guys. But I think he has the chance to be a good wide receiver, too, for a team. And I think his injury – and then Brian Kelly come in into LSU. I think everything was just throwing him off. And people mm -hmm. think, does he have that dog in him? Is he lazy? Stuff like that. I don't know. I'm not friends with Kayshawn Booty. I'll DM on DM Yeah, let's, on let's hit him up when we're done here. I'll say you got that dog in you. Um, but Well, I, let's I, talk I, about I'm the breakout kidding. age. I mean, 18.3, which is a 98th percentile. For our listeners that don't understand breakout age, I mean, that is someone that their, their dominator rating is over 20%. How important is that to have an early breakout age? Because we see guys that do it. I mean, Zay Flowers was at 20.0, but then you have guys like Addison and Boutte that are 18.3, 18.6. How important is that, and where is that threshold that you have to hit? Yeah, my threshold's 19. Um, it depends on context. If you're if you're playing at Alabama or Ohio State, 18-year-old breakout's very tough to do. I don't think it ever happens. It's so rare. So 19, I lean is like my go-to threshold. 18 is phenomenal. If you're coming in as a true freshman and you're that number one guy on a team, especially in the SEC, that is something that scouts drool over. And especially in guys like Marvin Mims, Jordan Addison, Keishon Butte, things like that. That's that's phenomenal. And if if you're that young coming in, like I said, being that good. That, that shows that when you come in as a rookie, that you'll produce as a rookie. And teams want that. Teams want instant producers. Teams don't want project players. They want guys that are pro-ready and will come on the field, run routes, catch balls, and move the chains. And Keishon Boutique can be one of those guys if he figures it out. 
I need yeah, to put we, him through some of my combine prep or something because that 29-inch vertical is pathetic. That's, that's Snoop's bad. Do, and, Snoop's doing that at 225 pounds. So. I mean, I know he had the the double ankles. He had two ankle surgeries, you know, in the offseason. And I know – I mean, I don't know who his agent is, but if they should just say, hey, just don't jump at the combine. You know, like if he ran his, you know, 4-5, what, 4-5-2, if he just does that and does the catching drills, I think his draft stock is in a different spot. And I know – when we look at broad jump, when we look at their high jump, I mean, those kind of things or their vertical, those are things we're looking for explosiveness. And when you look at the tape, he looks explosive, but when you see the testing, it doesn't always equate. So let's, let's not write off Kayshawn Boutte. Another guy that I know nerd boy absolutely loves Cedric Tillman, big catch radius, sheer size, someone that, you know, everyone keeps talking about Jalen Hyatt, but I think Cedric Tillman is not that far off. And some people even have him higher but you're going to be able to get him at a considerably more discounted rate. Yeah, he he's one of the biggest rises for me since uh, post-combine. I love his tape, and I think if he wasn't injured this year, he'd be maybe 7-6 for a lot of people because he, he's one of those prototypical Alpha X wide receiver sizes. He's 6-3, long, lengthy guy, but he plays physical at the catch point. I put out a thread earlier this year, him against Georgia, Keely Ringo, press coverage man, all up in his face, and he was creating so much separation, making great catches. I think he had like eight catches in that game against Georgia. So Tillman's one of those guys that him, Mims, Parker Washington, Keyshawn Booty, those are like the four guys that I'm going to be drafting a crap load of in the second round, third round. A lot of them are slipping to the third with this running back class, just bumping down these wide receivers. And I'm a big wide receiver guy, so I'm going to be taking advantage of all the value on these four guys and especially Cedric Tillman in this class. I like him over Hyatt. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm with you there. The, a couple other guys I definitely want to want to touch base with here. Right now I have him as my wide receiver nine, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, um, six foot, 185 pounds. If he's healthy, I think this is a guy that definitely can continue things into the pro level of, of being you know, a, a wide receiver two on a team. And I think he's a guy that's going to go in the third round for sure. And I think, Again, someone that I think could fall into decent value if he's in that right scheme. Yeah, I like him a lot. He he was my fifth sleeper. I was saving him. I knew you liked him. Um, I, I really wanted him to declare last year, but it makes sense why he stayed. That class was too loaded. He wouldn't have gotten the draft capital he wanted to. So smart move by him. He He's in my top 11 rankings all day, and he's a phenomenal speedster playmaker. Good on the punt return, kick return. Great field stretching option and he just makes plays he's another one of those smaller wideouts that goes up and gets the ball fights through contact so he's he stands out on tape as well and he's going to be one of those values all day in the third round even fourth round if people are sleeping on him these are your under the radar guys that i think fall into the fourth and you want the guys that have the highest upside when you do that another guy i think is is falling under the radar is xavier hutchinson 6'2 203 if you look at what he did at Iowa State, you know, in 2021, 83 for 987 and 5. But this last year, 107 catches, 1171 yards, six touchdowns. And I think he's someone that he's just going to fly under the radar. It's nothing that's going to wow you. But I think for fourth round draft capital, I think this is a guy that, you know, could potentially find his way onto the field and, and get you some production. Um, Nathaniel Dell, another guy that I think, you know, He's not wowing you, but he could fall in there. 
there's Jonathan Mingo, there's a guy that, you know, there's A.T. Perry, and then I'm starting to really like Charlie Jones. I think he's more like a like a homer pick. Like if he gets he ran a four four three at six foot one seventy eight. And if he goes to a veteran quarterback, I think he's one of those guys that that runs crisp routes and knows how to get open, where you're gonna be able to see him thrive under the right situation. I think with these wide receivers, landing spot's gonna be everything. And I think out of those guys, who do you like? You know, we're 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 talking about Charlie Jones, A.T. Perry, Jonathan Mingo, Xavier Hutchinson, and Nathaniel Dell. My two favorite out of those guys is easily going to be A.T. Perry and Mingo. Hutch is right there with them, but that's like my 14, 15, 16. Um, the guys I have before that are Jaden Reed and guys like that, but I like Hutchinson a lot. Tough to tell with him because they were so Brees Hall oriented like his whole career. So he Brees finally leaves and he has that really good season. He pops out on tape. A.T. Perry pops out on tape. Not a big Tank Dell fan anymore. I was a little bit. I, I comped him to the discount Kadarius Tooney because he's that gadgety joystick guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say Jonathan Mingo is probably my favorite out of that crew because he's just an athletic beast and he's an old Miss guy. And that's a very good wide receiver school, as we've seen in the past. I'd say he's definitely top of the tier for those guys for me. I like it. Moving on to the tight end. This class, you know, everybody downplays a lot of the positions here, but it's a tight end friendly class as well. I mean, Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer, I have in my top 10 to 12 dynasty range already. And it's not just them in this class. I am really starting to like Sam Laporta. Like you look at it, he's in that Iowa that just churns out absolute stud tight ends. They've already have Hawkinson, Fanton, Kittle in the league. But if you look at it, his his past season, he had more receptions than any of them. 58 receptions in 12 games. This guy's got, you know, only one touchdown. That part comes back a little bit or else I think we'd be we'd be talking to him about not that far off from some of these other guys. I think Sam Laporta is a guy, especially if you're in in our Smash Leagues, they're .75 tight end premium. I think we start to see this guy creep up in – I'm seeing him early to mid-third, but I think he's going to move up even further if he gets good draft capital. Yeah, I like Laporta a lot. I like the Iowa franchise too. They're, they're a tight end school, best best to ever do it. He's very quick off the line, and he, he's like that receiving, like that prototypical receiving tight end. Smaller guy, six three. Reminds me a lot of like that Zach Ertz type of player. Dalton Kincaid is Zach Ertz though, so That's... don't even get me started with that. I love Kincaid, but Laporta is my tight end four in this class, and that's in a very loaded class. He would have been my tight end to all day last year, right behind McBride. Um, he's, he's a phenomenal receiving tight end. He, he gets open. He runs good routes. He's pretty physical. Good after the catch, everything you could ask for in a tight end to be good in fantasy. I'm curious. Who do you have at three? Darnell Washington. Okay. All right. So six foot seven, 250 pounds runs a mid four, four and can <laughs> jump out of the mo- or jump out of the gym. I mean, you look at, at Zach Kuntz and, and Darnell Washington and both of these guys are freaks at the tight end position. Talk to me about why it's Washington and not Laporta for you as that tight end three. And, and you're seeing Washington getting round one draft capital. 
Yeah, I think that has to, a lot to do to tie in with it. But I also think his profile just has that crazy ceiling. And like you said, you're, which we're ceiling chasing, right? After Mayer, after Kincaid. Now we're looking at like that third round, maybe even fourth round range. If I'm in tight end premium, I'm ceiling chasing. I'm going all in on the six seven freak of nature that can jump over me if I'm standing still. Um, Brock Bowers might have be the reason why we're getting a discount on Washington. Who knows if he wasn't there, he could have been a freak of nature. And then there was a Reed Gilbert, who I, I'm not even sure whatever happened with him. So that room was kind of crowded at one point. So just the fact that Washington just all he had to do was show up to the combine test, and now he's getting round one talks. My my tight end three all day. It's honestly probably not close, just because mm-hmm. of that upside he has. But Laporta is another guy I just love. So those are definitely my top four. I have Washington at four, and man, what I would love to see is he is essentially a sixth offensive lineman. He is one of the best pure blockers I have seen. If he goes to Cincinnati to give Joe Burrow more protection and a safety outlet, man, that that's huge for his his draft stock. You know, there's there's guys I'm seeing, I'm seeing Detroit would would be a, a fantastic. That's that's going to be another high power offense where a little bit more support on the offensive line. He's going to score some touchdowns. Washington is a dominant run blocker, has fantastic technique, and I wonder wh- where we're going to see him because I I hope what we see is. They, they use him as a tight end. If he goes to the wrong team, we're going to see him used a lot more as a blocker. You know, and I think it really depends on – we always wanted – Kittle is hands down the best tight end in football. He's not the best fantasy tight end. You know, and I think Washington might fall in that area. But if he doesn't, if he gets the opportunity, I'm, I'm all with you. What other tight ends in this class are you interested in? Because this is – Tight ends are one that we don't really pay attention to. Everybody wants to talk about the running backs. Everybody wants to talk about the wide receivers. But, I mean, there's guys like Luke Musgrave, Zach Kuntz, Tucker Kraft, uh, even, you know, Brenton Strange, Will Mallory. I know we start to really start to dive deep, and we're talking even rounds four, rounds five. But who out of that group has a chance to hit for you? Musgrave. And I think he's another one. Huge 6'6 guy, freak athlete. Something about these tight ends, they're all running four or five. So I don't know what's going on, but I love everything about it. I love everything about it. And Musgrave is another one of those guys that just has a crazy ceiling. Um, He's a very good pure receiver too. His tape is so limited. And I think that's why he's kind of falling towards the back of a guy's fifth, sixth, seventh spot. But he's another guy that, Guys like McShay, Kuyper, all those guys just praising him, saying that he might be a first-round draft tight end. So it's like, how many first-round draft tight ends are we going to have? Five <laughs> there's, there's only 32 first-round picks, and I'm seeing 62 guys that are, are getting that. And I, I mean, I wish the NFL draft was here. You know, it's it, not only because it's on my birthday, but it's like, dude, I love the NFL draft. I want to see where these guys are going. We've been so active in the process of Smash Except, bringing on analysts to talk about rookies this year, launching the Patreon, talking rookies every single day in there. And you, we're going we're gonna to also put a thread in there, where a spot where when you're on the clock, you know, when you're on the clock in your rookie draft, so we can answer your questions quickly. We've also added, you know, where you can have the, the staff literally – do a strategy plan session with you on how you should be attacking your draft because tiers are everything. Falling into the right tiers and then help you draft. I mean, this we have you so prepared at Smash Except this year. I'm excited for it. Speaking of prepared, we missed one of the guys, Parker Washington. 
You know, we missed him when we were talking wide receivers, and I'm a Penn State guy. So, Parker Washington, you have in your top 10 right now. Yeah. Sell he, me on him. He's one of those guys that as soon as I watched him, I, I actually have been high on him for a while since his freshman year. He's one of those natural pass catchers that just your jaw drops watching him because he's making anything and every catch that comes his way. He doesn't drop the football. He has a crazy catch radius for his size, and he's like a satellite back after the catch. 200-plus pounds, 5'10", stocky guy, Curtis Samuel type, but he's a better, smoother route runner than Kurt Sam. Parker Washington has mitts for hands, and he gives me a lot of Jarvis Landry vibes with that. I think he's getting written off because of the Jahan Dotson was there for four years, kind of stealing the spotlight, but he was also producing next to the 16th overall pick in the 2022 class, producing at a high level with bum quarterback play at Penn State all all three, four years that those guys were there. So I think Parker Washington, I'm seeing him a lot in the third round of NFL drafts. That's all he needs. If he's a third-round pick, you could be looking at the next Amon Ross St. Brown. Hot take. Ooh, I like it. And, and that's where we, we talked about it a little bit. And we're just, we, we talked about the hit rates. Once you get to those third and fourth rounds, guys, play upside. Don't just say, hey, you know what? I think this wide receiver right here is nice and safe. There's no such thing as a guy with a round three, round four draft capital who's nice and safe. You know, that's a guy that gets moved out of the league. Play the upside. Move yourself into those situations where you can draft. It's it's only going to be 8 to 12%. Give yourself in that higher towards that 12% and get those those hit rates. This was fun, man. I mean, I'm excited to have you as part of the team. You bring great analysis. This was a fantastic rookie rookie pod. Try to shed some light on some things. And I, I, I'm excited. What has, what's, what's up and what we're going to be doing in the future. Why don't you tell everybody again, where they can find you and you know, that next fire thread. I know you got like 75 of them in the queue, ready to roll and, and just keep things going all off season. Yeah, you guys can follow me at, on Twitter at FFSnoog, and I'm going to be doing a lot of work with my guy Dynasty Dad in the oh. Smash Accept Network. We're going to be doing tons of things. Make sure you join that Patreon. Like he said, we're going to be doing tons of things to help you guys be better fantasy players, help you adjust, help you draft your own teams, all that good stuff. You need it. If you want to win money, why not do it? Why do you play this game if you're not going to win money, right? So... Make sure you guys follow me. Like he said, I got 75 plus threads sitting in my queue. If you guys have any questions, DMs open 24-7. And let's talk fantasy. I love it. Guys, hey, make sure you're following him. Make sure you're following everybody at Smash Except. Got a lot of things coming out where I'm going to start transitioning into profiles of your current players so once we start talking about what they're going to redraft value is and what their draft value is for this year and and moving forward again the value thread there is now in in the patreon as well where you can see if i have the 105 who's in that range value what's that wide receiver running back i can trade for so guys so much going on thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the process